Alan Keane and you are listening to The D Word, a podcast about disability where I ask my guests the questions everyone is thinking but might be too afraid to ask. This is an opportunity to educate and inform while also sharing our stories like never heard before. There are going to be highs, there are going to be lows, but I am hoping you're going to stick with me throughout this series and become more informed and less awkward when it comes to disabilities. My guest today is a Kerryman, full of resilience and someone who I wanted to have on the pod for a long time and we are finally here. It is the wonderful Ian O'Connell. Ian, thank you so much for coming on. No bother, Ellen. Thanks a million for, for asking me. Delighted to be able to, to come on and share my story and help out. So uh, you are joining us from Kerry. How is it going down there? A typical Kerry weather, pouring rain of the last three days. I was out at the golf course yesterday for for kind of a fundraiser thing and it was all flooded, so washed away nearly. Um, so... The purpose of the pod is, of course, to get guests on from all walks of life and to get guests on who have different types of disabilities and, of course, people who not only are born with their disability but happen to get a disability at some point in their life. And you were born able-bodied, but unfortunately you had an accident when you were, was it 16? Two days after my 16th birthday, yeah. Two days after your 16th birthday. Can you talk us through your... Talk us through your accident. Yeah. Um, so what happened in Muckrus, the Killarney National Park, we used to go cycling there every day during the summer. It's only five minutes away from from myself and my friends' houses. And we went down a little kind of grass patch that's there for, you know, for walkers and cyclists and stuff. And we used to go down it 20 times a day. But on the, the 16th of August, we went down it and, Little did I know that I wouldn't be walking back up. There was a a log. The a log had been left on the actual footpath or the path, and grass had overgrown on it. And then when I was going down, I obviously couldn't see it, and my front wheel hit it and sent Ian about nine feet over the handlebars. And I knew something was wrong. Then when I heard the the crack in my neck, my body went lifeless. And how did your friends react? You know, at first I'd say they thought I was messing because, you know, it's typical me. I was always kind of, you know, messing around with them and stuff. But at the start, they kind of said, come on, get up. And I was trying to, I was kind of telling myself that as well. But um, they were kind of, obviously they were, you know, after a while when they kind of realized how serious it was, they kind of came back and they all of a sudden kind of went quiet and worried. So they were be that anxious after a while all right yeah and what actually happened was it your your spine that broke it was um so there's kind of three kind of sections in the spine you've the cervical up the top then you've kind of thoracic and lumbar so i broke up at the the very top of my neck which is kind of the most serious i broke four bones there and i i severed my spinal cord when i fell so that's kind of the, the worst you can get. So my actual injury was that C4, which is kind of really up the top near the, I suppose near the head. Well, it's on the spine, but it's up the very top of the spine. And there's a rhyme, it's um, C3, 4 and 5 keep the diaphragm alive. 
So once you break C3, your breathing kind of goes and stuff. And mine was going when I was waiting for the ambulance. It was kind of getting weaker. But um, I, I was on a ventilator for 80 days and everything with it. So it was serious enough injuries. But I'm I'm like a, a cat with nine lives. <laughs> um, and... So you're able to breathe by yourself now. You're not on any machines or anything now. But you're paralysed. Are you paralysed from the neck down? Kind of shoulders down, yeah. I'm um, I'm actually getting a good bit of movement in my, my left hand. So the okay. right is a bit more stubborn, but it's it's coming slowly. But um, yeah, with the ventilator, like they, they told me I'd be on it for, for life and I'd have to bring one around with me everywhere I went. And I, I kind of just told them not. Not a hope because I seen people with them, and I just said, "Watch me." And then, eighty days later, I got took my first fresh, fresh breath of Dublin air. <laughs> fresh breath of Dublin air. Were you devastated? It wasn't a fresh breath of carrier. <laughs> I you'd only get the smell of silage or something down here. <laughs> um, and all this was happening when you were sixteen. Yeah, it was crazy. The timing of it, like two days after my birthday, you know. Even if it happened to me now, 21, you kind of say, all right, you know, but when you're 16, you you, you don't know, I suppose, I, I had no clue what a spinal cord injury is. Like, I just thought it's someone can't use their legs. So it was a, it was a lot to take on for, for myself, my family and my friends at that age. And had you anyone in your life who had a disability or any wheelchair users, had you... Had you any experience of disability before your accident? Um, I didn't really know. There was, I I knew a few people all right with that were in a wheelchair, but like they wouldn't be family or very close friends. So I knew one or two people all right that I'd only know from around Killarney and stuff, but otherwise I didn't know night from day. Like it was a complete new thing to me so it was a whole new life that you were stepping into with no experience and no one to really lean on that you already knew and trusted that's hard yeah. that's very scary it is it is and like you said kind of starting I always say this is like my my second life because I had my own run up to 16 which is me running around playing football and stuff but I remember that day I was on the ground I said right I'm not going to close the book now. I'm going to flick the page and start a new chapter. So it's yeah. my, my second life, like I say. That's incredible that you were able to do that at 16. Just nearly be so optimistic and positive. And uh, like, where did that come yeah. from? Is that like, have you just always been like that? Or is it like your family who were surrounding you, your friends? Like, was there a, a, obviously I presume there probably was a moment where things got a bit dark but like how did you how did you manage to flip it um do you know i don't i don't i think everybody kind of has the the strength you just kind of have to dig deep enough to to find us and i know like you're saying i've my bad days like i'd be in hospital some days and a good cry take the weight off your your shoulder and i'm sure you, you do and everyone else have have their their bad days but um no do you know it's all I always say, like, I didn't know how strong I was until my only option was to be strong. And I think yeah. that's all. It's my family made it so much easier as well. Like, my mom was up by my my bedside for nine months in hospital and my dad was 
down in Kerry working, he'd be up every weekend. So I think once you're surrounded with good people as well, friends and family, and like I built up a great relationship with the the nurses there. Like, and I, I st- I'm still talking to them today. I've gone for a coffee with one or two of them. So I think family made it a lot easier as well for me. So you went from being a regular 16 year old just after celebrating your birthday to being bedbound on a ventilator. What was your kind of recovery process to get to where you are now? Which is, I, I to me, hearing being bedbound on a ventilator, that just, to me, your independence is completely gone. Whereas the Ian that I know and the Ian that I see on Instagram and I've met, you're so outgoing, you have so much confidence, you have your independence I do you have a carer who goes around with you? Yeah, I've a carer that um, comes every morning and she drives me to to work and stuff and I go to Cork twice a week for, for physio and she brings me up there and stuff so it's so handy to to have that and like you said, the recovery process from when I was on the ventilator, getting off it after eighty days. I remember I was it was in December twenty 17 and they said once I got off the ventilator I can go to Dunleary to the rehabilitation centre and I remember getting off the ventilator I think it was about a week before Christmas and they were going to bring me to the NRH and I kind of said can I stay because you know Christmas and I I knew everybody there and I was used to it and Mm. um, I went to the NRH then and I, I spent four months in the matter and then to the NRH for five months, and that was that was all just hard recovery and rehabilitation and focusing on building up strength. And you're still doing that now, aren't you? Because I saw on your Instagram that you kind of hit a milestone. Yeah, yeah, I'm still um still at it up to Cork twice a week for for it's kind of intense physio, and I am always doing bits of at home here strengthening the the arms like it's the, it's the smallest things like my left arm now if my motor nose is itchy in bed I'm able to lift my arm up and just itch it and besides calling mom at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> so it's the small things like that do you know that makes such a, a big difference it's uh, the small things to people that you know are completely able-bodied but it's it's a huge thing to me yeah they, they take it for granted so yeah and I, I always say, like, people don't realize what the, they don't appreciate the things they they have until they become the things they had, you know? Yeah. So you've been on, you're 21 now, so that was only five years ago. How, yeah. and you're, you're so good at being so open and sharing your story. And, like, how how does it feel having to nearly relive that day? every time you get interviewed because you do get interviewed quite a lot and you do you're very you're very giving of your story and your time and you're very not inspirational but people obviously you are inspirational but we all hate that word um <laughs> I, know, I, I do too <laughs> a lot of people a lot of people like turn to you and you are just so giving with your time so how does it how does it feel reliving that every day not every day but reliving it a lot um it's do you know i thought it would be worse sharing it on social media like and getting such a big following but I kind of made the, the decision you know I could either curl up in a ball and 
get upset and you know stay at home or but I said like to my friends I said crying isn't going to to make me get up and run around the place again so I said I'm going to use my story to to try and help others because I think some people they like young people especially they can get a bad rap for you know if they're causing trouble or stuff but I do a lot of talks and interviews like this to to show how lucky other people are and the way life can change in the the blink of an eye because life is so precious like and I don't think a lot of people realize it until because like before my accident I I'm I'm always seeing people on like TV or on on social media before my accident and you always realize you always say to yourself that that, that that's not going to be me you know that happens to other people but then when it's you it just kind of hits you hard all of a sudden and you uh have a phrase this is the thing I I can't get over because obviously I I've grown up with my disability and this is something that's happened to you in probably the hardest phase of life for it to happen being a teenager and, and you're already going through changes and having to deal with all of that and then all of a sudden your whole life changes but you have literally taken on the the comedic side of disability so much like you just you have a bit of a laugh you're so you're so you're so funny when it comes to it because even when I asked before you came on I asked you if there was anything that was like off bounds anything you didn't want to talk about and you're like as long as you don't ask me to stand then we'll be fine do you do you do you like having a bit of a laugh when it comes to like disabled jokes and stuff yeah a hundred percent I I Every day I'm kind of having a, a joke about it and stuff like I remember I had a new teacher there, I think in fifth year and she she was going around the class saying, What do you want to be when you're older? And everyone's like a a doctor, a nurse, I want to be a builder. And then it came to me and I goes, um, a stand up comedian and she didn't know what to say, like she was just completely speechless and no, I think it's important to have that that sense of humour and I always say like Never trust someone in a wheelchair with dirty shoes because um, it's all them kind of things that I think that helps me as well, you know, be, be able to have a joke about it. And I'm sure you're the same because you, you, you've, you've kind of a, a similar sense of humour as well. Do you, I think it's very important to, and it makes it easy. Yeah, I nearly feel like it gives you the power. It kind of gives you back the power of your disability because um, it can be seen as quite a vulnerable thing, but if you use it to lighten the mood and even like, not, I don't do it to make other people laugh. I do it to kind of yeah. lift the tension and to to kind of make myself feel better in a way. Um, but I think it's just so important. What's kind of like the funniest story that you have? Um, one that actually happened about two months ago. I know it was about three or about three months, three months ago, I was out in my back garden and I was, I was coming up because my chair is able to to tilt back completely and it's like I'm lying down. Oh, I know, I know, I've seen it. Uh, Ian's chair is literally like something from the future. Um, I'm sure it's gonna like fly through the air soon. Like he's in Kerry at the moment, but he probably could have got to Dublin in about ten minutes because of Ian's chair. Of <laughs> <laughs> the M50, but uh, um, like it can. Back and like you said, you've seen it, but I was tilted back in the back garden in the sun there when it was sunny there a few months ago. And I was there's a little kind of a ramp going up to my door, 
And obviously, I'm supposed to tilt back up to go up it because if I'm leaning back, I'm going to go. But I, I said I chanced it anyway, and I was going up the little ramp, leaning back in the chair, and next thing, the two front wheels just went straight up, and my whole chair went back on its back, and my legs were up in the air, and me looking up, and I was, I was so lucky that the legs didn't go over my head because I mean, I'd been in a lot of trouble then. Like my mom was down at the line and she was like, she was up the line like I was down. She was like, you can stay there now. I told you to be tilting up. So she, she, did she just leave you there? Were you on the ground? Yeah, she she was only messing and she came over then. My dad had to, to, to pull me up as well. So that was one that, that happened um, that happened recently. And another one was I was in the matter. Um, I found it hard to sleep, so I had to take a sleeping tablet before I went to sleep. And um, it was my first time falling asleep without taking my sleeping tablet. And anyway, about three hours later, the nurse wakes me. You forgot to take your sleeping tablet. I was like, are you messy? First time I fell asleep and she woke me to take the tablet. What is wrong with people? Um, how how have you kind of managed? Um, how have you managed the world at the moment? Like in terms of accessibility, what's what's been good and what's been bad, and and what do you think Irelander is good and bad at? Um, I suppose like it's it's only when you're in a wheelchair you realise the kind of conditions of the the footpath and stuff, but here in Killarney, where I'm from, is good enough, but, like, there is footpaths here, and even around all of Ireland that are absolutely very useless, completely useless, like, there's some that you'd be kind of slanted to the left trying to go on it, and it's, I think, they can do a lot more for accessibility, like, you know, wheelchairs and stuff, and they've gotten good, all right, with kind of, do you know the way you'd have a little little button on a wall to open a door and you just literally hit your hand off it. I've, since my accident, I've seen them become more popular over the last couple of years, but like footpaths can be, they can be very dodgy. Do you know those doors? They're so great when they work. <laughs> but when they're broken, they are the heaviest, worst doors ever. The amount of times I spill coffee on myself because those doors don't work. <laughs> It's like the only time that I really uh, ever kind of notice I need assistance sort of thing. It's kind of the only ever time that I'm like, yeah, this is like I need the building to be accessible for me is when I'm opening doors. And uh, oh, the coffee, I just spill on myself all the time. Um, so you're 21. Obviously, you are um, a lad, as lads do. How's the dating life? How's the love life? Is there one? How do you how are you managing it? Not at the moment. No, I've I've talked to a few few girls now and then, but like nothing has come up. So my application's open though. Catch me on on Instagram, LinkedIn, and everything. But um, do you ever no, use dating like, apps? Huh? Do I do. I, I'd be on Tinder. All right, I'd be talking away to to a few people, but nothing has come too serious yet. But um. I'm sure, I'm sure it will. And like, I'm always open to looking for, for someone, you know? And like, yeah. I think people in like wheelchairs, some people say, 
how can he date people? But like my friend in America, he has the exact same injury as mine. He's actually a small bit worse and he's married and they have a kid on the way. That's great. The application is open, Ellen. Spread the word. Right? <laughs> Spread the word. We'll get you. We'll get you on. Um, what will we get you on? We'll get you on the uh, Valentine's Late Late Special. <laughs> Applications open for Ian. Um, how how have people been though about disabled dating? Like, have you ever had any weird experiences or um, any weird? I don't know because I'm just coming from um, my experiences of. There's there's a weird type of person on the internet who only ever follows girls with one arm and it's really, really uncomfortable. And I don't know if you have ever come across anything like that. Um, I, I actually haven't, no. Like all the girls that I've I've met have been very kind of open and you know, they they always see like they always say like they see me and not the chair. I yeah. think that's important, like because I think a lot of people kind of get the impression that just because you're in a wheelchair you can't can't be dating people whereas like a wheelchair it's not who I am you know it's it's just way it's just how I get around yeah how do you feel about shows like the undateables or things like that would you ever go on undateables uh, I think I would I think I undateables would. do you not think it's such a like a, a un unnice concept Either word, yeah, like maybe I'd I'd stick with first dates. First dates, that's it. We'll get you on first dates Ireland. I d- I think I'd definitely be up for it because you know, like I I always say I'd rather live and you know realize that I done something and I didn't enjoy it than live and say why didn't I do it. Um, do you ever get like when you're in uh, nightclubs or anything? As soon as a girl sees the chair, she's like. Oh, I can sit on his lap. He can, he can wheel me places. I can, he can mind my coat. He can mind my bag. Do you get a lot of that? Yeah, I do. Like I was up the tree arena there a few, I think it was like last year. And this girl came over. She was like, can I get a picture with you? And I was like, yeah, no bother. The next thing before I knew it, she was sitting up in my lap. And I was like, you're going to slide off there now. Like it's, it's so funny the way I say she was bananas drunk, but um, I don't mind any of that. You know, it's, Harmless. Is, it, is it nearly a move at this stage? You're like, come sit on my lap. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be able to bring you everywhere, four wheel drive and a wheelchair and everything. That could be your um, your Tinder, 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 Tinder bio. It could be um, uh, a great parking provided. <laughs> yeah, always have it. Able to I- able to skip queues as well. Able to skip queues. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, have you been to Disneyland? No, no, I am. Uh, my cousin's uh, my cousin um, Abby actually flew out there this morning with with her dad to go there. But um, I remember I was in Disneyland right when I was when I was younger. But it was freezing before my so, accident. So this is the thing you're um, you're missing a trick because because you're disabled, you get to skip all the queues in Disneyland, and you can yeah. go on all the rides, uh, and you you can get someone in with you for free. So there are perks. There is. So if if there if I'm not getting DMs on Instagram after this, Ellen, I don't know what's gonna happen. You can offer free rides and free access to uh Disneyland and skipping queues. Um free parking. 
<laughs> free parking. Um, what was I going to say? What What has kind of been your best or worst, best and worst reaction when it comes to your disability? In um, which way now from? I don't know. Maybe from like kids or from adults. Is there anything that's kind of stood out to you and and stuck in your head? Um, there has. Do you know when I came home from the hospital, I like. You know, some of my friends, they, they, like, I'd have been the same. You know, you don't know what to say to me. They were, you know, they were kind of, I suppose, they were like, will I say something? Will I say the wrong thing? But, like, like I always say to people, I haven't lost any friends since my accident. I just, I just kind of found out who the real ones, the real ones were. But, mm-hmm. um, speaking of reaction, my cousin, um, Lily Kate, her name is, she was here the last day. And she like climbs up on my footpath and sits up on my lap and takes my phone. She'd have cartoons on. She's only five or six, I think. But um, she's always on my phone. She was flicking through my gallery and she's seen a picture of me before my accident and the the innocence. So she just kind of looked up at me and then looked at the picture and she was like, "So you actually decided to get out of your chair?" The oh innocence. My God. <laughs> that is so funny. That is so so funny. It was, I was, I, I couldn't keep in the laughter, like, it was the innocence. That's it, though, isn't it? It's like, kids are just so innocent and so accepting. Was it strange so for her, well. was it strange for her to kind of um, see you out of the chair and not see, like, the, the chair as part of you? I guess as a kid, the chair is nearly part of you, isn't it? Yeah, it is definitely, like, was her, I suppose it been her first time seeing picture on my phone of me before before my accident and I think that children are they're really curious even you know at the the best of times they're always like you'd always when I'm out in public there'd be little children with their mom and dad and they'd be like what happened to him and then all you could hear is the mother he hurt his leg it's funny hearing the reactions you know um and what do you what do you actually tell kids whenever they ask you what happened I, 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 I'd be straight up with them like I'd just say I fell off my bike and um, they were like why are you in a wheelchair and I goes I hurt my back and then that usually kind of just said they kind of accept it then like and I my cousin the same girl little girl that comes up in my lap for my phone she I remember she was only about one when I had my accident and I can remember her coming to the matter to visit me but like children, you know, it's not every day you see people driving around in their chair for twenty kilometers an hour. So they're they're always kind of curious. Are you able to drive the the wheelchair? No, a car. Would you ever be able to drive a car? Not yet, but I I think in the future I definitely will. Like my my left hand, if I get the same amount of strength in my left hand that I have in my right, there's adaptions they can make and stuff and. I'm sure like yourself, they've probably made kind of adaptions for you to drive as well. So technology is only it's only getting better and I'm 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 confident that in a few a few years that not even to drive, but there'll be good progress in research for our spinal injuries. What has been kind of the the technology that you would rely on the most? What what's kind of been the game changer for you? Um I think the chair definitely because I drive it with my head. Like you can see there on either side, see the black things. Yeah. 
they're like sensors. So to drive forward, I just hold my head against the back of the headrest. And then to turn right, I just hit my head off that side black thing. So they're like sensors and you just tap them and they, the chair drives in its own direction. And I remember when I got to the, the rehab, I got a mouth stick and that's been the best thing I've ever got. Like I remember taking my first selfie after my accident. I was like, who's this guy? But uh, that's it there. See the blue? Yeah. You literally, there's a stylist on the end of it. And you just tap away what you want. So technology, it's it's unbelievable. Like, and it's only better it's going to get. Yeah. How many followers do you have on Instagram? Um, I have fifty five thousand. So you fifty five thousand. Um, and are you? Do you run all of that yourself? Do you do it all yourself? Yeah, yeah, I do it all my, all myself, and I, 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 I love it on it. Like you know, there's there's a lot of negative things that happens on social media, and you're always going to get trolls saying bad stuff and everything but on the other side of that like there's so much good that can be on social media like you know sharing my rehabilitation and and kind of posts about my accident and stuff and and even yourself you know showing training videos of you and the 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 gym and stuff it's a great way to kind of network with people and share positivity rather than you know negative stuff when when did you kind of start like shooting because you're you're very popular on instagram when did that when did the momentum come from that um i remember i i took the first picture i put up was of me and my mom on the terrace in the matter and um i kind of blew up from there from people home local people you know and then i suppose when i went on the late late show then in 2018 I kind of I came out and there I was up to like thirty five thousand followers and then I went to a fight with Conor McGregor and he put up videos and selfies of us and then it went up to like fifty thousand and then over the last two three years it's just kind of built up gradually. Um, and those those people that you said you you learned who your real friends were, um. Did they come out of the woodwork, the people who weren't kind of there for you after your accident, once they started to see how popular you were becoming and who your friends were and Conor McGregor, like were they, did they come out of the woodwork? Yeah, definitely. And not only just the friends that I that I didn't know who the real ones were, like they were always kind of in the background. But when I started like going on the late late and put up pictures with McGregor and, you know, meeting other kind of celebrities, it's... um. It's mad the amount of people you know that come out and give you, give you a text in saying unreal, unreal pictures. You know it's mad seeing that when, when you're, I suppose doing stuff like that, people kind of come out and you know drop you a message. Yeah, you've come out the other end, and they're they're now coming out, they're coming yeah. back to you. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So you have a radio show. What is it called? If you can't uh, stand up, stand out. Is that the name of the radio show that you have? So the the quote, yeah, is if you can't stand up, stand out. And then the the radio show is called Stand Out. So um, I I've actually I, I was counting it yesterday. I've done forty nine episodes or interviews so far, and um, every every Wednesday night from eight to nine p.m. and you you were kind enough to come on it there a few weeks ago and it's um I, I absolutely love it. 
you know, talking to new people every week and I learn something new off every one of my guests that I that I have on. Yeah. What sort of guests do you have on? Um it's kind of a variety really. I've had like people, you know, in the, the Olympics, Paralympics, I've had people that have, you know, had cancer and beat it and I've had some Kerry footballers, I've had Rory stories that was on about gambling addiction and mental health. So I think it's anyone really with a story to tell because everyone does have their own their own story. You might know it, but then when you interview them, you know, everyone has something that yeah. people don't know about them. Um, and was radio something you wanted to do all along or is it because of your accident that you kind of started thinking, okay, what can I do now? What can I do to become more independent and get a job? And what is out there for me? Before my accident, no, Ellen, if you asked me to go into radio, I'd have ran a mile the other way. Oh, really? Not, not a hope in hell. I could hardly stand up in front of the, the class and read out stuff. But I know I, a core, I'd done for work experience in fifth year, we'd go on like, a week's work experience somewhere and I said I chance Radio Kerry and then that was grand and COVID hit and stuff and everything was obviously shut down and um, there was a there was an eight week it was an introductory to radio course and I done that and then I applied for the 52 week course which was um, radio broadcasting and digital journalism was exactly what it was I done the the fifty two week course there and qualified for it, and then the the manager Fiona and Radio Kerry brought me into her office, and I was like, "Oh Jesus, this is giving me principal vibes from school." And um, she offered me the job, and then the the show saw I couldn't say no, and I it's one of the best things that's happened to me since the accident. Do you ever feel like it's not? there that you have to relearn everything and I haven't had to relearn anything I've just had to adapt so it's come so naturally to me to adapt whereas you because you were able-bodied before and you have to relearn things do you ever feel like nearly uh, not annoyed but is there any ever every time you meet someone who's quite similar to you and it's like I wish I kind of do you ever wish you kind of were born like that so you never knew what it was like to be able-bodied I've actually thought of that a few times and if I ever meet people in a wheelchair, you know, that have more movement than me in their arms, that can use their arms and stuff, kind of, it always kind of flicks in your, your head like, I'd love to have that amount of, of movement and it always, as well, like people, you could have people out there in the world that are causing trouble, you know, robbing stuff and nothing happens to them but then it's the likes of people like myself that freak accidents happen to but I think that I don't know what I've rather been born with this because I've I've experienced so much of life on my feet and I always say I had my accident on two wheels now I live my life on four wheels on the the wheelchair but um, I think it's a challenge and I I'm always up for a, a challenge and I, I enjoy it. Right. We're coming to the end. 
Um, as I mentioned, I'm a brand ambassador for Allianz, who believe we all have the power to write our own future. So this final question is from them. If you had the power to write one specific thing into your future, what would that be? Ooh, if I had the one thing to write as in to have something that I'd like to see happen or something? Anything, anything. can be anything, Ian. It can be selfish. It can be world-changing. It can be anything. Um, I suppose to have a cure for spinal cord injuries, and I'm I'm convinced that they will have something in the next 10, 20 years, but I suppose for myself, there's always, I kind of know, being realistic, that I'm not going to get my legs back while there's no cure. But in the back of your head, you always have that that kind of voice telling you that you will. So in the future, I want to just see myself keep progressing, keep building up strength and Hopefully, I'd love to go to New York and live there for a few months. That's on the the agenda. But no, like I said, the future, get myself back, I suppose, strong again, going around traveling and hopefully a, a cure for spinal cord injuries. Well, that was great. Thank you very much for coming on the pod, Ian. No bother, Ellen. Thanks a million for, for, for having me. We, we finally got it done. We finally got it done.